Boom! Hey, Super Legends, my name is Dre. Welcome to another episode of Sales Superstars. So today's guest is Alex McNaughton, and I absolutely love this guy because I feel that sales just runs through his blood. So he's got a really interesting story, and he wants to raise the sales capability of New Zealand. He's got big goals and a big vision. Before we get into the show, if you need any help with your job search, I'm changing the structure of my business. I've now got a team of people that can help with any particular area on your job search journey, and we are gonna help move you forward faster. So drop us a DM, enjoy the show. Okay, so I just wanna say a massive welcome to Alex McNaughton. How are you, bro? I'm very good, thanks, man. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, no, thanks for being here. I appreciate it, because I know how busy you are, so I appreciate you coming on. We're going to get straight into it. So can you tell us you know, a little bit about your background and you know, growing up and um, like where you came from? Cool. How far back are we going? I don't want to bore everyone with my full history. No, no, let's, yeah, let's go. Um, let's go for... Well, look, I'm, I'll do the short version. I'm from London originally. Um, dad's a Kiwi, mum's British. Grew up there and then moved to New Zealand when I was about 14. Did okay. high school here, uni, but never finished uni actually because I ended up working in sales and got too busy and things went too well, probably too quickly. Um, and yeah, been there ever since. And I guess I'm really passionate these days about helping raise the selling capability of New Zealand as a country. Um, and through doing that help our technology sector primarily, cause that's kind of my, my area that I'm really interested in, um, become our number one global export. Where did that passion come from? Where did, where does that originate from? Um, I fell into sales. Um, so like I said, I was at uni, it was, I think my second year and I got this internship at a tech startup and my boss obviously trusted me far too much because within six months I was sort of looking after our biggest partnership account, which was worth like multi seven figure deal. Uh, and I was project managing a, a, a national rollout of our product. Um, and this is while you were at uni on an internship. Correct. So I, I, I had a three month internship and I got hired after two months. Um, and I was sort of working part time, but more full time. It was kind of getting more and more full time as the months went on. Yeah. And um, so I ended up there for about, I think it was about a year and a half. And anyway, learned a lot. And that was kind of my first taste of sales. And it was actually more partnership sales. Uh, so more kind of indirect sales. Um, and anyway, I got promoted like multiple times in that, in a short time period. And I was like, fuck, I love this. Excuse my French. Like, I, I love this. Um, and I ended up dropping out of uni. Um, and Sorry, what were you studying at uni? Finance and accounting. Oh, okay. All right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so good skills, but yeah. I definitely didn't have a passion for it. And then from there, I got headhunted a bunch of times to work at different tech companies. So I worked in, I worked at two big companies, two big American companies um, HP enterprise and cornerstone. And then I went back into the startup world, um, and worked at like a mid-sized startup. And then through this journey noticed that how New Zealanders approach selling was very different to how the Americans did. And we were like, I don't know, I can go into that if you'd like, but we were like kind of five to 10 years behind in terms of how we approach sales and sales and revenue operations. Okay. Yep. And that was the Genesis for why I started my first business um was basically to solve that problem uh because I, I sort of noticed that kiwi companies were leaving all this money on the table basically from not approaching sales and revenue operations properly um so i decided to try and fix it 
Okay, so do you mean like the like the Americans were sort of like more sort of proactive, or they were like upselling, or two? You can kind of look at it two ways. So the Americans, um, from a systems, process, and operational perspective, streets yeah. ahead of us. Okay. Um, so in terms of like even just like number of pieces of technology they would be using inside their sales function, you know, for every one piece of technology a Kiwi company would be using, they'd probably be using four or five. So there's that oh, side right. of it, okay. yeah, but cool. which was enabling them to just operate at a higher level of scale and efficiency. So there's that side. And then there's also the other side of it, which is just like the level of training and sales enablement. So sales in New Zealand. So it uh, maybe back it up a bit. In, like in America, you can go study it at uni. You know, you can go like do papers in it at uni and it's like thought of as a real career. Whereas in New Zealand, it's not. Um, everyone falls into it. So yeah. because of that, the level of selling varies wildly, right? So you've got obviously some good, great people out there, but then there's some terrible people and it's just kind of like a lot in between because there's not that same level of sales professionalism. Mm. So who was, um, so who trained you at sales or who would be <laughs> your, your best, I guess, like mentors or coaches? So my first ever boss was probably my first mentor and he was fantastic. He's probably still in my view, one of the best natural salespeople I've ever seen. Uh, like a, like a, a very, very good relationship salesperson. So um, he taught me a lot. And then from there, I had other bosses I learned from. Uh, and then as I got older, I sort of did more of my own study. So like these days, there's a few people I really look up to, like one Todd Capone in the US. Uh, so I actually, I had him on my, my webinar series. He was my first guest. Um, and he's awesome. So he's written an amazing book called the transparency sale that, um, is a must read if you're interested in selling. Um, yeah. And then since then I just kind of try and read and talk to as many people who are either sales leaders, sales experts, authors as, as I can. And, you know, I, so I have a podcast where I chat to them and most of them are in the U S and overseas um and yeah try and just keep improving awesome so with your very first mentor because you took on so much responsibility what was it that he or that you think that he saw in you <laughs> that's a that's a good question um i actually asked him that because i couldn't believe how much i was doing aged like 21 um that's i true, think man. Yeah, it was, it, it was cool. I think it was because any time he gave me a problem to solve, I'd go figure out how to do it, even if I didn't know. And he just yeah. liked that, that I never said no. I was like, okay, cool. Let me figure it out. Um, and like, I, I didn't get all that responsibility in one go, by the way, like it happened over a period of months. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think just any time he'd give, give me like a little bit more responsibility, I'd go figure out a way to do it. And by the end of it, I think I had a team that I was... I had a direct team of five or six. And then I was also kind of indirectly looking after another 10, um, which was crazy really. Cause I had no idea how to manage people back then. <laughs> well, that leads me to my next question. What would you say your management style or leadership style is like? I'll be honest. I don't think I'm a great leader. That's why like in my own business, like I don't have a team. Like I use contractors for bits and pieces, but I, I, I would say I'm not like a naturally great leader. I'm very transparent. Yeah. Um, but I don't love building teams myself. I much prefer help showing other companies and teaching people how to do it. 
But in yeah. terms of me personally, I'd say it's not my superpower. There's much better leaders out there. Yeah. Okay. So what is your superpower or superpowers? Um, being able to go into an organization and assess what they're doing from a sales and rev ops perspective really quickly and knowing the levers to pull to make improvement. That's probably one of them. And then the other one is teaching people how to sell, especially um, people who are not typically comfortable or naturally um, uh, don't have that natural sales kind of DNA, breaking it down for them in a way that makes sense and is easy for them to pick up and feels natural actually once they figure out the steps to go and sell. I took two. (laughs) All right. So say if there's a, like if a young person or like a veteran that's been in sales and, you know, they're finding it sort of like difficult. Do you have any sort of advice to, you know, to get them either motivated again or just up to that, that next level? Mm. I think one of the biggest things that helped me and has helped my clients, and I've worked with just over 80 companies and probably coached a fair few hundred people by now. And I think one of the biggest things that has certainly helped me, but also they've told me it's helped them. is just like reframing selling a little bit. So rather than thinking of it as I'm trying to persuade you to buy from me, which is how we often think of selling. It's like, I'm trying to persuade you to buy something yeah. is reframe it and think of it more about, I'm going to, meet you, learn everything I can about you and your business and all your challenges and goals and everything you're trying to do. And if I can help you with any of that, awesome. And if not, that's cool too. And let's get to that place quickly, you know? So I'll qualify out of if you're a bad fit and I can't help you very quickly. Um, And I think when people start approaching sales in that way, you, you're not so tied to the outcome anymore. You're just going in with this really curious kind of open mindset of, Hey, if I can help, cool. And if not, you know what, that's cool. There's probably some other people I can help. Do you know anyone, <laughs> you know? Yeah. yeah, I absolutely, absolutely love that reframing that. That's, yeah, that's brilliant. So can you tell me about your, do you have like a morning routine or an evening like routine? Um, I guess so. Yeah. Um, my morning routine starts with coffee because otherwise I'm not very functional or very grumpy in the morning. So I'm, I'm not a good morning person. I'll be honest. Um, but time, it's, time do you get up? What time do you, you start it, it, it varies actually, depending on what I've got on, but anywhere from kind of six thirty to seven thirty, depending on what my day looks like. Yeah. Um, except for the weekend where I might sneak a few extra hours. Um, but yeah, my day normally starts with coffee and then I'll just, either get straight into meetings. If I've got meetings, if I don't have meetings for an hour or so, I'll just do more kind of admin, anything I need to do for the day. Um, I'm in a position now where most of the prospecting I do, my virtual assistant does for me. So she runs sequences for me. Um, So I've got so much time, doesn't it? Yeah. So I've got a little list. I've got an SDR, you know, who, who does a lot of that for me now. So, for me, my kind of sales activity is usually following up with the people who've replied um, and kind of having those direct conversations. Um, so that's cool. But back when I was a rep, it was actually doing that activity myself. Um, and then evening routine, I work out every day after work. You know, I kind of, depending on when I finish up, that could be anywhere from like six or till 10 PM. Sometimes I'm at the gym and then really? I'll usually, yeah. yeah. And then I'll usually have a meal. 
I meditate for about 10 minutes and then yeah. eventually my brain will switch off and I'll find some sleep. <laughs> so, um, cause I was doing some research on you and you are pretty ripped. So I can tell that you go to the gym. Cause you were, I was like, saying, I was like, you, many- you found my Instagram <laughs> clearly. Oh no. Yeah. So I saw the, like, the pictures of like Bali and I was trying to work out how many, like if you had like six packs on six packs and six packs on six packs. So, Oh you're no, you're just, you're just, you're just, um, you're being too kind. It's not, it's not that good anymore. I don't think after, <laughs> after COVID lockdowns and the rest of it. Um, but yeah, look, I think working out and I don't even do it to look good. I work out purely because I feel good. And yeah. I think this is actually often an underappreciated area of sales is your own kind of mental and physical well being Cause it can be a tough job mentally, you know, yeah. like facing rejection, um, you know, sometimes having to do long hours when you're in the middle of a deal, working after hours, all that sort of thing. So taking care of yourself physically and mentally is super, super important. Eating well, sleeping enough, getting exercise. I genuinely believe that that has a massive impact on performance that, you know, you'd never hear from your organization or like not a lot of companies will talk about that. Um, or even sales trainers will talk about that, but I think it's actually a really important factor. Totally agree. All right, so tell me, how do you deal with rejection? <laughs> well, it's like I said, man, like if, you, if you're thinking about it as just helping people, then I never really feel like it's rejection. It's just, I, this person doesn't need my help and that's okay. And I might help them in another small way. You know, so I might just give them some advice off the cuff or connect them with someone I know who could help them with something. Maybe they need actually make, you know, like, so, you know, in my situation, maybe I'm talking with someone and they actually don't need any help with their sales and revenue function, but maybe they do need some help with their branding. I know a guy for that, you know, so it's, I I genuinely, and I know it's going to sound silly, but I don't feel rejection anymore. Yeah. I love that. And how long have you been like that for a long while? couple of years so probably probably about th- probably probably three years two and a half three years like that mindset yeah because there's a lot of like sales people that take it like personally and then they get the like the phone fear like um like if they've got a cold call they're like scared i know that i've been through that they're scared to pick up yeah. the phone and make that call and then it just gets into like a, a vicious cycle so. yeah i think one of the, the one of the best things to do is if especially if you're in like a cold like an sdr role and you're doing a lot of calls is don't get tied to the outcome. Okay. Focus your attention on the other person, not on what you hope to get from them. Yeah. You know, and, 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 and that helps a lot because when you're tied to the outcome, that's when you have this fear of rejection. You know, you have this fear of the no, if you just actually go in with this attitude, like I said, if just like, I want to learn about you, I want to understand you and, and forget the outcome, then more positive outcomes will come as a result. Mm. So yeah, follow the process. What motivates you? What's what you what drives you? You have like a like a vision or like a passion or a purpose or Yeah, I guess like I said, everything I do today is all about raising the sales capability. First here in New Zealand. Um is kind of my first goal for the next probably that'll keep me busy for a, a year or two. Um and you know, so everything I do is all about that. It's about raising the capability of selling in the country, you know, professionalizing sales a bit more and through doing that, increasing our exports primarily in kind of tech. Um, so, you know, 
I think if you can have, and I didn't come to that vision just like that. Like it didn't just happen overnight. Like I've kind of slowly over time iterated what that vision looks like. Um, But now anytime I do something new or if I do something new, it has to be aligned to that vision. Otherwise I won't do it. So, you know, for example, I got my sales training and advisory company. And then I've also got a recruitment company all about getting young people in New Zealand into the sales profession where we find them. Yeah, it's, this is very new. Uh, This year we launched um, and we, we just got our first few customers actually a couple of weeks ago, but we find young people who have that raw capability where they could be good at sales, assess them for fit um, using a piece of software to see if they've got that DNA for sales because and and also more common recruitment assessment practices. And then we place them in cool companies and train them. So we train them for their first 12 months of employment, kind of like a white collar apprenticeship. Think of it that way. Um, So really we're trying to disrupt the recruitment model here in New Zealand. And just, um, I think there's actually, there's definitely a company in the UK that does this a couple. Um, And um, so yeah, it's uh, assess place, uh, find assess place train. Um, So everything I do is all about that. It all feeds into that overall vision. Yeah. So who, I guess who pays? Does the, does the the, the sales rep pay or is it the company at the end? Cool question. Uh, Company pays. So we work off a fixed price recruitment model where company pays and the training's included and their rep will be in a co a learning cohort with reps from other companies um, for that 12 months. So it's some online learning, self-paced group facilitated workshop training. And then also there's that community of learners who are kind of going through the same journey at similar times together. Um, so they can lean on each other and learn from each other, which is quite, you know, which we think is quite cool. That is really clever. So, so say for instance, they've, they've been recruited in for 12 months, they're working at that job and you're training them at the same time. Is that what you Correct. Mean? Yeah. So one of the challenges for smaller companies is they don't um, often have the time and resource to really focus on, you know, developing their sales teams yeah. just, you know, purely because they're doing a million other things and they're, you know, maybe only a team of 10, 20, 30 people. Um, so, but, but that's also one of the reasons why salespeople leave is because they don't feel supported and they're not yeah. developing. So that's why our model is really good for kind of mid-market type organizations who don't have that resource themselves. Um, and, and it's great for the, 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 you know, the young, young up and coming talent because they're going to develop at a faster rate than, you know, people who aren't going through the additional training. Yeah. That is genius. That is genius. Yeah. I love that. <laughs> Absolutely love that idea. Thank you. Um, so can you tell me about, you know, like even books or podcasts that have had, you know, like a major like impact on, on like your life or your career. You know, yep. sort of stand out or? So I mentioned one of them, the transparency sale, another yep, one that is that. awesome, which you probably will know is never split the difference by Chris Voss. Oh, you don't. Okay. So, Voss. Chris so Voss, but... this is a really, really good one. Um, it's not strictly a sales book, but it's, um, it's all about negotiation really. Um, and it's written by yeah, Chris Voss, who was an FBI hostage negotiator. Yes, that's him. Yes, I'm leaving. Yeah, and he's like he's now a business advisor, coach, and teaches. You know, he's got a company that teaches people how to negotiate. Um, and phenomenal book. Like th- that one actually was 
between that and the transparency cell, those two probably had the biggest impact on me and, and, and my business. Really? Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Great, great books. Cannot recommend them enough. Um, and then in terms of podcasts, oh, there's so many, there's so much information out there, isn't there? Um, Andy Paul, actually, I just had him on my podcast, but he's got a sales podcast that's been going for coming up six years and close Ooh. to 900 episodes. Um, so that's a really good one. He, he speaks to some cool people. Um, an American guy. Where's that, he based? That, is that sales? That's, yeah, sales it's, it's all about, yeah. so it's called the sales enablement podcast. Um, actually, let me just check. I'm, I'm pretty sure that's right. I just want to make sure I'm giving him the right plug. Um, uh, yes, host of the sales enablement podcast. So it's on Spotify and it's really, really good. So yeah. that would be a, a cool one for anyone who's interested in sales to, to check out. Yeah. So um, I'll make sure that we put those like in the, in the notes as well. Oh, mine. Mine's not bad either. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have 900 <laughs> episodes though. <laughs> yeah, what's, your, what's your podcast? I don't actually have a name for it yet. I'm actually going through all of that now. I just started it kind of ad hoc last year yeah. chatting to more than anything. Cause I was just interested in chatting with, um, you know, people who'd been there, done that, especially in the States. Um, yeah. but we, we've done about, must've been about 15 or so and probably got another 30 in the pipeline for this year. Nice. And it's most, it's mostly either founders of tech companies or yeah. sales gurus. Um, okay. yeah. so a lot of them are, who who've had very, very senior sales roles and then have kind of in their fifties, maybe decided, you know what, I'm actually going to help some other companies do this too. Uh, and they've written books like Todd. Todd's a perfect yeah. example. Um, although I don't know if he's quite that old, actually I could be doing him a disservice. <laughs> I think he's probably a bit younger than that. Sorry, Todd. Um, so yeah, um, I'm going through, I, I haven't named mine yet, but I, I, it's all about how to sell better and how to build sales teams and, op, yeah. and sales ops. I love that. And how can people get hold of you if they want to work with you or if they've got any questions? What's the best way? Best way is probably LinkedIn. Uh, yeah. You can find me. Uh, I think it's just Alex McNaughton, uh, LinkedIn slash Alex McNaughton. Um, or you can check, we've got two websites, salesleaders.tech and apprento.io. Those would be the best places to find me. Awesome. All right. And very last question. Is there anything that you'd like to leave with the audience? Anything at all? Oh, well, say it, say it and say it again. It's always my motto and presentation. So help don't sell, help don't sell. Um, if that's, if there's anything you take away from this conversation, that would probably be the biggest one. Open mind, understand people, get to, get to know and understand people. If you can help them. Great. If not, that's cool too. Alex, thank you very much. No, pleasure. Hey, superstars, how cool was that? Alex, I just want to say a massive thank you. You dropped so much value, absolute gold, and that episode was fire. Really appreciate you, bro. All right, guys, so some of my biggest takeaways. So number one was that Alex was studying accounting, C, or like finance at uni. He'd done a three-month internship, was hired after two months, and then was looking after a deal or a rollout deal which was worth seven figures, which is just absolutely huge. So age is no barrier. So all you need to do is follow the process. You mentioned a couple of books. So the first one was Never Split the Difference by Chris Voss. So he used to be an FBI negotiator 
And the next one was Transparency of Sales by Todd Capone. I don't have those, those copies of the books, but I will be getting them. So make sure that you check out those guys. And my main takeaway is, this is so important, help don't sell. Help don't sell. Help don't sell. I'll see you for the next episode.